My name is Kevin Aronson, I'm the founder of Hampshire School of Photography and welcome to another edition of Talk Talk. In this week's episode, we're looking at the final session in the 10-part series, looking at photography basics, and today it's all about editing your photo. So welcome to this last part of the 10-part series, and it is primarily aimed at newcomers to photography. And we're looking at editing, or the editing tools, and whether you need to edit, and why you should edit, and why you shouldn't edit. And you know, this is um, potentially quite a, a divisive topic, because I know people who absolutely love the process of editing their images. And they'll spend as much time and effort editing as they will in taking the photos. And there are other people who cannot abide the thought of editing images. And in many ways, they consider editing a bit of a, a bit of a cheat um, because the photo taken in the camera is what it took. And anything you do to it is transforming it beyond what that image was. So as you can see, not everybody thinks the same about editing. Now, for me personally... I really enjoy editing and I will spend hours working on a photograph to get it to where I want to be. I find as much personal enjoyment from the editing process as I do from taking a picture. I, I, I genuinely do. But, you know, there's editing and there's editing. And the problem I have is I meet so many photographers who have different views that it's hard to give a definitive advice on this because here we go. Here we go. So, you take a picture of a street scene. You're recording an event in the life of someone on the street who's doing something extraordinary and you've captured it as best you can in the camera. The argument is don't edit it because any addition or subtraction from that image is not genuine to the original photograph. In other words, it could be taking something away from the scene or adding something to the scene which isn't there. And it's kind of um, it's kind of fooling the public, the viewer, when they're looking at it. They're not looking at the real information that the camera captured. On the other hand, if you're taking a picture of uh, a model in a studio or a landscape scene, there are plenty of reasons why you would want to edit. So... For instance, with a model, she may not have an absolutely clear face for, you know, maybe she's got a few spots. Um, maybe she's got a bit of a scar. Um, maybe her skin really isn't very smooth. Maybe she's got a few hairs over her eyes, which need taken away because they're distracting and so on and so forth. It, on a landscape picture, you may have an ugly rubbish can in a shot and an otherwise beautiful piece of the, <laughs> the countryside. Or it may be that you're using advanced luminosity mask systems in, in, uh, in Photoshop to adjust your highlights and shadows to the point up where they would more closely represent what the eye could see rather than what the camera could see. So it does get complicated. There's no guidebook to this because everyone's needs and wants are very, very different. Now, I do know people who will edit very little indeed. Um, they might just maybe crop the image to change the size or maybe they're just brightening the image up because they've shot it a little bit underexposed or maybe it's a bit bright and so they've darkened it down and they might just tweak the colour so they're a bit more vivid. And that's it. And um, 
to me, their view is equally as right as, as someone who would edit the living daylights out of a shot. And then there's the purist argument, which says when you do a shot, get it right in the camera so you don't have to spend a lot of time editing. Now, I take issue with this because I enjoy editing. And if I am taking photographs for my own personal enjoyment, why the hell shouldn't I spend a lot of time editing? If I get a big buzz from it, it's my hobby and I do the bits I like in it that make me happy. So if I'm shooting landscape because I like landscape photography, I'm doing it because it makes me happy. If I'm shooting street scenes because I like street photography, it's doing it because it makes me happy. And if I'm editing the living daylights out of an image because it makes me happy, then that's equally valid as well. So um, what I would avoid are people with strong views who think that everybody else is wrong. I find it hard. I mean, I have some really good friends and good student friends who think like that, and I suspect one of them in particular is is listening to this and thinking, he's talking about me. Well, yeah, I am, <laughs> but you're not the only one, my friend. Um, I don't agree with your views, but I agree you have the right to them. In the end, if the shot is enjoyable to process, then you should be allowed to process. If you find it's more enjoyable not to process and take the original then I think that's equally valid. Do you know, I mean, I don't think photography is alone in having people with very strong views about what's right and what's wrong. I'm sure there are other art forms as well where people can be on the divide. I'm sure in watercolours or oils, there are people with different views about what's right and what's wrong, as there is about people who play guitar. I mean, some people would only ever buy a Fender and would hate a Gibson, and some people would only buy a Gibson and hate a Fender. To me, they're equally valid, both beautiful guitars, both have a different sound, and, and you'd use them for different things. But, you know, people have strong views, and okay, that's it, really. So, we're talking about editing your photos. I would guess that most people who are new to photography have heard of Photoshop. It is the standard by which all other editing products are measured. It, it is the very highest echelon. Well, it is in the highest echelon. Whatever the correct grammar is, don't know. But it's a tough cookie to learn. There's an enormous learning curve with it. It's not intuitive. It's, it's not a tidy layout, unlike Lightroom, which is its sister product. So back in the day, you'd spend £700 to buy Photoshop and maybe a couple of hundred pounds to buy Lightroom. And then every year when I updated it, you paid an upgrade fee. These days, it's a lot cheaper. You pay a little under £10 a month and you get both of them. Every time it's updated, you get the free updates. So Lightroom and Photoshop. Some of you have never heard of Lightroom. So Lightroom is probably the best cataloging software for photos out there but it also gives you some amazing editing tools. And because it's laid out in a very logical way with easy to use sliders, it tends to be most photographers' favorite. So given the choice that people paying, you know, let's say 10 pounds a month and they get Lightroom and Photoshop together, most photographers will spend 80, 90% of their time in Lightroom and just go into Photoshop for a few little bits and pieces for detail. And that's mainly because Lightroom is so easy to use and Photoshop isn't. But Photoshop is incredible. And if you have the patience to learn Photoshop, you have at your disposal the most extraordinary editing tool on the face of the planet. And... Um, 
the way you normally work is that uh, you load your picture into Lightroom. So you're shooting a JPEG maybe in your camera or RAW file, which, which might be preferable. And you do your editing. The image itself is not affected. All the uh, all the changes you make are virtual. And then you export that into Photoshop by just pressing a couple of keys in your keyboard. You do your fine-tuning editing in Photoshop, all the really detailed, difficult stuff. And then you press a button and it goes back into Lightroom and it remains part of your catalog. And you end up then with two copies in Lightroom, the original plus the one you've just edited in Photoshop, which is now no longer in its original format. It will either be a TIFF file, uh, which is a really high high definition image containing lots of data information, brilliant for, for printing, or it could be a Photoshop a document, a PSD file, and you get a choice. And that's it. And then once it's back in Lightroom, you think, well, oh, I just don't want either of those. I want a JPEG. But that's fine, because once it's in Lightroom, you can then export it in any format you can think of and many you probably never heard of. So the options to export out of Lightroom are incredible. So there you go. It's very simple. You import your pictures into Lightroom at the beginning and you can now see them all and you can rate them all as you know, color code them or stars, you know, one star for OK, five star for utterly brilliant, or you can delete them. And you can see them all at a glance in a grid view, one above the other, one next to the other and so on. And then the ones you want to edit, you send to Photoshop, bring it back from Photoshop once you've done the editing, and now you've got additional ones, which are the edited versions. And you look at all your shots and say, yeah, that's the one I want to export as a JPEG to post on Facebook, and you export it as a JPEG. And it, I don't know whether that sounds complicated, but it actually is very, very simple. The best thing is that your editing is non-destructive. So all the editing you do is virtual. So whatever you do, and the range of options are just unbelievable. There's such a lot you can do. You can target colors, tones, shadows, highlights. You can change all the reds to a different color. You can change all the blues to a different color. You can increase the intensity of any color. You can change the brightness and darkness of any color. And you can... Oh, it's just nuts. And then in the latest version of Lightroom, there's some very, very clever things where you can isolate people from the background and just adjust the background or just adjust the person or just adjust the sky, da-da-da-da-da. If you shove it into Photoshop, you can even add a, a different sky into the shot. If you're taking a picture with a boring overcast day, but you think it's a great picture, but actually it could really do with a really cool looking sky, then you can add another sky into it. And of course, to some people, that would be an anathema because you are no longer taking a picture um, honestly, or you're no longer working on a picture honestly. You transform the look of it. But hey, if you enjoy it, gosh, we are in such a relativistic, is that a word? Relativistic? Relative. A society where things are very relative. There are no rights and wrongs anymore. And the idea of being able to change the sky into a beautiful sunset just at the click of a button is kind of nuts. But that's where we are. Who knows where we're going to be in 10 years' time. So Lightroom and Photoshop, which are both made by Adobe, are pretty much the global standards for photographers. Most professionals use them, and um, most of the accessories you can buy to bolt onto your editing software is for Lightroom or Photoshop. So, you know, you can buy things online made by independent photographers and creators, which give you additional... It's, it's a bit like bolting an app 
onto your Photoshop to give you more facilities and more functionality. So that's really easy for them. That The tuition videos on YouTube are just off the scale. There's loads and loads. So it's the, they are the best supported software out there if you want to learn. JPEG or RAW? So should you shoot in JPEG or RAW? And which is best for editing? When you take a picture in your camera, um, usually from the factory, the picture is outputted from the camera as a JPEG. And that's uh, a file which has been reduced in size to make it smaller and more portable. And in the process, the camera has done things like made the blacks more black or less black, adjusted the whites, adjusted the vividness of the color, the color intensity, brightness levels, will even sharpen the picture and a whole bunch of other stuff. It, basically, the manufacturers of the camera have set a piece of programming inside your camera to produce a shot that looks as good as it can. So when you see it coming out of the camera, you think, wow, what a great photo. But in doing so, and in shrinking it down in file size, which is what a JPEG's all about, you lose some of the data on the file. And so you can't edit quite as much out of that image as perhaps you would want to. Most professional photographers would prefer to shoot in a different format called RAW, R-A-W, RAW. And a RAW file is the RAW data straight off the sensor of your camera, straight onto your computer with no changes made to it. And it's up to you as the photographer to take creative control of the final image. And you adjust the color and the brightness, the black and the white point and the, the sharpness and, and, and so on and so forth. And it's up to you to creatively produce an image in your software from the very dull, lifeless, contrastless image that is the RAW file, because the RAW file really has had nothing done to it from the camera. It is dull to look at. And what's double confusing is that you take a picture in RAW, check it out on the back screen of a camera, it looks amazing. And then you load it onto your computer and it looks dull and lifeless. And that's because the preview on the back of your camera is a JPEG preview. So you get an idea what the picture could look like as a JPEG, but as soon as you load it on, onto your computer, it's a RAW file. So when you import your images into Lightroom as a RAW file, all the changes you make to it are not actually happening to the original photograph. I've already used the term non-destructive editing. So all the images, the brightness, the color, the tones, whatever you're doing, are recorded in a, in a separate file. And when you then load that image into Photoshop, that data goes across with the image. So when you look at it in Photoshop, you can see all those changes still, then you can make some other changes in Photoshop, save it, send it back into Lightroom, and you end up with a completely new image with all your changes made. All image editing software has a learning curve. I think I've already said that the one for learning Photoshop is possibly going to be the longest. It's certainly one of the hardest to learn because it's not intuitive. Lightroom still has a long learning curve. There's a lot of panels on the right-hand side of your screen which do different things, and knowing how to use them properly can make the difference between a good shot and a bad shot. So at this point, you're usually faced with a question. So what do I do? Do I teach myself? Do I buy a book? Do I watch... YouTube videos online and it's interesting watching YouTube videos because you watch half a dozen photographers and they all do the same thing by different methods, each preferring their own. 
or you can book yourself on a, a Lightroom course. Now, we've got one coming up next month in June. We've got a course called Lightroom Mastery, which runs over two Sundays on the 5th of June and the 12th of June. And there are some places left, and you can check that out on our website, which is gohsp.com. I'll put a link in the show notes below. But if you do want to learn Lightroom in detail and learn some of the tricks that I use as a professional to speed up your workflow and improve the, the look of your images, then do check out Lightroom Mastery, 5th and 12th of June. So Lightroom and Photoshop, as I've already said, are pretty much the industry standard. So how come there are actually other editing software tools out there? Let's look at Photoshop Elements. Photoshop Elements is a stripped-down version of Photoshop, and it's very much aimed at beginners. It costs you around about 80 quid, but I've seen it as low as about 68 on Amazon. And um, unfortunately, it doesn't look a lot like Photoshop when you use it. It has quite a lot of functionality, but if you're moving from Elements to a proper Photoshop, again, it's a bit of a shock because it doesn't, it just doesn't look and work in the same way, but it's a good product and it's a good one to learn on. Um, and then there's Capture One, which I use when I'm tethering my, um, my camera to the computer so that when I take a picture, it appears on the computer screen instantly and I can see whether it's come out right. And that's good in studio use. If you're photographing models or people in a studio and you want to see exactly whether the shot looks good, whether the expression is right, whether the eyes are fully open, looking in the right direction, whether it's sharp all the way from the front to the back of the face, the back of the head, uh, having it tethered is a brilliant facility and capture one was originally designed as a capture software for a high priced medium format camera called phase one but it's since been expanded to take on other makes of cameras and to me it's a much better tether tool much better tool at tethering your camera to than lightroom lightroom will allow tethering but over the years i've been using it i've not found it to be particularly reliable Nothing worse on a shoot with a customer and they're in the studio and you're photographing whatever you're photographing and then Lightroom freezes up. And you do all you can, but in the end, you reboot Lightroom to get it working. And sometimes that doesn't work. You've actually got to reboot your computer. It's embarrassing if you've got people watching you. And it's happened to me so many times over the years. I mean, almost every time, to be frank, uh, with different computers both Mac and PC, it still crashed. So in the end, I stopped using it and I used Capture One. And because I use Fuji mirrorless cameras, Capture One does a significantly better job at editing Fuji RAW files. I can do so much more. Lightroom really lets me down quite badly, sadly. So I have Lightroom and Photoshop and I have Capture One. Capture One is not cheap, sadly. It's £24 a month. Yeah, that's a lot. £179 for the year, or you can buy it outright for about 300 quid. Um, then there's Affinity, made by Serif. That's about £50 to buy. Then there's Luminar. There's free software called GIMP. But, you know, these, it pays your money and you takes a choice. The thing is, if you spend hundreds of pounds on a camera and then you're buying lenses, why go cheap on the editing software? It's like most things with photography, you know, where we spend a lot of money on gear and then we're tight on tripods. That's another good one. People spend 100 quid on a tripod. You're never going to get a decent tripod for 100 quid. 
350 upwards, you know, and the rest. And some people will spend thousands on a tripod to get the very best, best stability, largest tripod, longest lasting, you know. Anyway, Affinity, great program. Will will allow you to do a lot, but it hasn't got the same backup and resources and training tutorials and all the ancillaries that Photoshop can offer, but it will produce cracking images. Luminar is really for beginners, and you can press a button and add a new sky. You know, it, it's gained its its fame and fortune for its sky replacement. But in the end, you still have to ask yourself, why have I, why have I taken up photography? It's because I want to produce great photos. I enjoy the process of producing images. Why would I skimp? Why would I buy cheap on my editing software? And Photoshop and Lightroom are actually cheap at £10 a month. I mean, £10 a month, that's, what's that, two pints of beer? That's, you, in some places, you couldn't get two pints of beer for 10 quid. It's, it's nothing. It's the price of Netflix. It's, it's nuts. It's, it's no money at all. So I would always suggest going for Lightroom in Photoshop. And if you're shooting with Fuji cameras or you're tethering your camera, I would suggest going for Capture One. So that was an editing overview. Obviously, I've got my favourites, but I'm just thinking from the perspective of someone who wants to take up a hobby with real passion and interest for the future, you may as well start using the right stuff from the beginning. All software will allow you to edit your pictures but not all software will allow you to do as much as the combination between Lightroom and Photoshop. For me, the biggest problem is the complexity of Photoshop and the fact that so many are put off it because of that complexity. If you're a professional, you use Photoshop. There's no, there's no arguing about that. There's no, no two ways. There's no, there's no serious alternative apart from possibly Capture One. And Capture One is a very sophisticated tool, not for a beginner. Um, in fact, I'll be honest with you, I'd been using Photoshop for 12 odd years, maybe a bit longer. And I struggled with Capture One for quite a while before I got my head around it because it's so different. But actually, it's a really good tool. So Lightroom and Photoshop for most people, if you're shooting with Fuji, I would definitely suggest you go Capture One. And if you're tethering, go Capture One. So I'm paying £10 a month. Well, I'm actually paying more than that because I have a cloud storage built into mine. So I pay, I pay about £20 a month for my Lightroom and Photoshop and I pay £179 a year for, for Capture One. But then I, it's my career, it's my life. It, you know, I have to have the right tools for the job. If you want the best, those would be. If you're starting out and you're trying to save money right now, the best deal is to go for Affinity, which is normally £50. At the moment, at the time of recording this, there's 50% off at the moment, so it's around about £24, £25, which is ridiculously... I mean, that's such a small amount of money. Here's the thing, though. If you do decide to go for something like Affinity or Luminar or GIMP or any of the others, or even Photoshop Elements there'll come a point where you'll get frustrated that you can't do as much as what everybody else is doing and you'll have to learn again a new product. 
Possibly. You may be happy with what you've got. In that case, it's a different story. Pays your money, it takes a choice. That is editing. Talk Talk is sponsored by the Hampshire School of Photography. We have a training centre in Hampshire, which is in southern England, and you're welcome to visit our website, which is gohsp.com, and look at all the different workshops we run there for photography, from single one-day courses through to one-year courses, master classes, inner circles, private mentoring, and so on. And, of course, there are courses on Photoshop and Lightroom. My name is Kevin Aronson, I'm a professional photographer and I've been behind the camera now for about 52-53 years. I run an online blog called The Photography Teacher, which contains tips, techniques and video tutorials to help you with your photography and the editing skills. So when you combine the training centre, the blog and this podcast, I'm hoping there's enough material out there to help you grow your photography to where you want it to be. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Talk Talk. I look forward to you joining me again at the next one.